Hello, and welcome again to Finding Truth Matters with Dr. Andrew Corbett. The next step in Timothy's life, he would have to learn that in the early days of him learning how to serve God, that Paul would throw the ball to him so he could catch it. But eventually he was going to have to learn that not everyone's going to throw the ball to him. You still got to catch that ball, but not everyone's going to throw it to you. In fact, I was almost tempted to write, some people aren't going to throw it to you, they're going to throw it at you. A young teen raised by his mother and grandmother, where is he going in life? In the New Testament, we meet just one such bloke and his name is Timothy. Being discipled in his faith by none other than the Apostle Paul, Timothy had some important lessons to learn as he developed his identity. Tonight is the second in Dr Corbett's four-part series on the life of Timothy. Let's join him now as we continue to look at the development of the young man Timothy. Tonight, the lad becomes a lieutenant. Let's pray. Father, as we look at your word and in particular as we look at the life of a, ma a young man who you took and you put under the tutelage of an apostle, a senior man. And Father, how you used that relationship for your glory to shape the world. Father, a large part of what we are doing today has been informed by what you did in that relationship between Paul and Timothy and how you shaped both of them and the effect it's had on the church, even down to the present day. So Father, give us eyes to see and help us to hear your word today with a heart that is hungry to be fed and to be informed. In Jesus' name, amen. We are continuing to look at the life of Timothy and he was a, a young man who we saw was raised in a fatherless household. He was raised by his grandmother and his mother, Lois and Eunice. And Paul writes and says he was taught the scriptures from an early age by them both. And chances are that even though he was taught the scriptures, it may not have gone click with him until one day when Paul came to his hometown of Lystra. And it was while he was there that Paul did an outstanding miracle where Dr. Luke, who's writing this account, says... There was a man there who was born lame from his mother's womb. In other words, this wasn't that he'd had an accident. It wasn't that he got a disease and lost the use of his legs. He was born this way. He never walked. And when Paul came into this town and prayed for this man to walk, not only did he stand up, the scripture actually says that he leapt up and began leaping and running around. And people saw this as an outstanding miracle. And Dr. Luke clearly thought it was an outstanding miracle because this does not happen by medicine or natural means. Quite an amazing thing. And chances are, probably around that time, Timothy gave his life to Christ in response to Paul's preaching. Of course, his mother and grandmother were Jews or Jewesses. They were teaching him the Old Testament scriptures, of course. And so something went click. For this young man. Five years later, Paul comes back to Lystra on his second missionary journey and he sees the outstanding growth that's happened in Timothy. He sees a young man who wants to serve God. He has a knowledge, a deep knowledge of the scriptures. He really has a heart to serve and he says, Would you like to come with me on this journey as we go around to the churches that I planted on my first missionary journey and you can be my assistant? And Timothy says, I'm in. 
And Timothy probably would have been in his late teens at that time. So quite a young man. We're going to look at this next stage in Timothy's life. And I've called it the lad becomes a lieutenant. So the Apostle Paul has taken this young man under his wing. And we saw that Paul was someone who grew up without the influence of a father in his life. And we've seen as we looked at Paul's life that we have reference to some of his family members. We have reference to his sister living in Jerusalem who interacts with Paul in the book of Acts. We have reference to Paul's uh, nephew interacting with him as well. And in all his writings, of which he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, there's not one mention of his father. And there's a lot of similarities between Paul and those young men who have had an absent father. Angry, frustrated, socially not quite able to connect well with people can be the result of having a dysfunctional relationship with a dad and Paul certainly exhibits some of those traits and I guess his heart went out to Timothy a young man who the scriptures describe he had a a good grandmother and a good mother and a father and it says his mother and grandmother were Jews but his father was a Greek And that's all it says of him. And there's no mention of him being around. And it's almost as if this man, this Gentile man, sired Timothy and took off. And so here we have Paul's heart going out to young Timothy. And he takes him under his wing. And as they travel together, and Timothy is able to see that Paul is the real deal. He's the real deal. I'm mindful that many people form an opinion of God by the relationship they have with their own father. And so maybe there was this relationship now between Timothy and Paul was undoing a lot of the damage that had been done in Timothy. I'm a little bit hesitant to talk about something that's happened recently where Kim and I became aware of, again, the damage that can be done by... A father who misuses their place in this world and how that can dramatically impact for the bad, a boy, a son. So I'm interested in looking at what happened here with Paul and Timothy. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 17 and this tells us just how important Timothy became to Paul. This is why I sent to you Timothy's writing to the Corinthians. Now what do we know about the Corinthian church? It was a mess. We had people sleeping with people that they should not be sleeping with, they weren't married to. We had all kinds of division and arguments and fights going on. There was, you know, can you imagine coming to the Corinthian church? Would have met in a home, probably a courtyard, and the courtyard may have not been too much smaller than maybe you know two-thirds of the size of this building so it would have held quite a number of people but can you imagine going to church there and fights break out yelling matches break out and then someone walks in with someone that they're having a, a sexual relationship with and it's their mother or stepmother it's like this is a weird church and this is the church that Paul is writing to in first Corinthians and he says this, this is why I sent Timothy to you. It'd be great to have a Timothy, I reckon. Oh, just awesome. You have a major, massive, messy problem and you send someone else into it. This is why I sent to you Timothy. And I want you to see 
and consider what this tells us about Timothy. My beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in every church. So Paul is saying that Timothy was his trusted emissary, a very, very young man who goes into this situation that was really, really messy. I want you to think, I've heard people say, oh, wouldn't it be great to go back to the days of the book of Acts? Wouldn't it? Would it? I'm not putting a hand up. Because <laughs> I'm thinking, hang on a minute, do you realise nearly, with the exception of Philippians, nearly every epistle that was written was written to a, a problem church. There were problems. There was mess. But in the midst of this mess, God was doing something in people's lives. There was growth. And here's the thing that I think maybe we're going to have to get our heads and hearts around. Do we want to see our church grow? Let's, I'm going to try that again. Maybe my mic's not working. Do we want to see our church grow? Yeah, we do, don't we? Do we want to see people leave churches and come in here? Well, yeah. But do we want to see people who know nothing about Christianity, who know nothing about church, come in by the droves? Is that what we want to see? Okay, what's that going to look like? Mess. Thank you. It's going to look like a mess. And somehow we're going to have to be okay with that in the sense that it's going to require great patience. Now, is there anyone here apart from, I'm not sure who to point out, who already has great patience? Oh, Tom. Oh, well done, Tom. Because you can imagine people coming in with all kinds of ideas. I mentioned before, and I wasn't joking, I wasn't trying to make light of it. We say this is the Apostles' Creed. This is the statement of belief. And if we were to survey people who perhaps don't know anything and they come in, they probably wouldn't align with that. They've probably got all kinds of ideas about God, all kinds of ideas about how you, you're made right with God. Uh, and I've mentioned this before, I was staggered when I saw the press conference with the Dalai Lama in Australia and he was being interviewed. And one of the journalists, rather naively, asked him, what can you tell us about God? And the Dalai Lama said this, I don't know, I don't believe in God. And all the journalists laughed. And I thought, you journalists haven't done your homework. The Dalai Lama's not joking. He actually does not believe there is a God. He doesn't believe there's a God. He's an atheist. Essentially, Buddhism is atheism. So when people say, oh, I'm being really spiritual, I'm entertaining Buddhism, do they realise what they're saying? They're saying there's no hope. There's no point to life. No one created this, it just happened by accident. I haven't got an explanation for it. And when life ends, I don't know what's going to happen. I've got no idea. My ultimate game is to go into nothing. That's called nirvana, that's the hope. And so we could have a whole bunch of people that have really, really confused ideas come in and we're going to have to be patient with them. Won't that be exciting? And can you imagine the early church? How much did a brand new church that got planted know about Christianity? Well, not much. I mean, Christianity was still fresh it was raw it was brand new and here's Paul sending Timothy into these situations to sort them out a young man can you imagine that a 20 something year old young man coming in and telling a few hundred people hey <laughs> we got to change a few things here so let's consider the relationship that Paul had with Timothy in writing to the Philippians, I said to you, every epistle that was written was addressing a problem, except Philippians. Philippians wasn't. Paul said this, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon. 
so that I too may be cheered by news of you. So this tells us the confidence that Paul had in Timothy. In fact, I'm going to say this. When Paul was writing a lot of these epistles, he actually ended up in prison and he couldn't physically go to the Philippians. You know, why didn't he go himself? Well, because he was in prison. So he said, I hope to send Timothy to you soon and then he can come back and give me word. And we know that when Paul wrote Philippians, he was in prison for at least, at that point, he was about a year or so into a two or three year prison term of which he wasn't in prison for any charges. No charges have been laid against him. But God used all this. And so here's the thing about the relationship between Paul and Timothy. God enabled Paul to do what he was able to do because he had a Timothy. He had a Timothy. There's, I think, a couple of lessons here. One is we need more Timothys. That's the first one. It's an obvious one, I hope. The second one is maybe there are things in life you're struggling with, and I'm going to show you, I hope, this in a moment, that you're going to go, oh, God, help me to do this. And it may not be that God's going to help you to do this, but he may send someone along into your life who can help you to get it done. And there's a difference. And sometimes our pride gets in the way of that. So let's have a look at this. I, I want to... Now look at how Paul trained Timothy. How did he take this 19-year-old or so young man and teach him to become one of the finest ambassadors of the Christian church? How did he do that? How did he take this young man so that by the time in his late 20s and 30s, he was going into some of the most messiest situations and sorting them out? How did he do that? Well, I think initially, Paul threw the ball to Timothy so that he could catch it. Do you understand that expression? Throw the ball so they can catch it. Paul didn't ask Timothy to do anything he wasn't immediately able to do. He enabled Timothy to catch the ball. So, I want you to see this verse that I hope illustrates this point. It's 1 Corinthians again. It's chapter 16 and verse 10. So Paul has already sent Timothy. Now he's going to send him back. And I want you to kind of hear in the background here, maybe this first visit, you can imagine Timothy going into this relatively hostile situation. You can imagine how he might have been treated. And this is what Paul says. When Timothy comes, see that you put him at ease among you. Now what is that? You get the picture here, what, what happened the first time. For he is doing the work of the Lord as I am. Now, can you see what Paul's doing here? He's being a dad. He's being the protective father. He's saying, I'm gonna, you want my help? I'm going to send Timothy to help. But when he comes, don't beat him up. Don't give him a hard time. Take it easy on him. He's my representative. He's doing what I'm doing. So this went on for some time where Paul was able to use Timothy and prepare the way. I'm sending Timothy to you, he would say in epistles, and Timothy would go in. But it wouldn't be long before he moved Timothy from just simply being a messenger, where Timothy would go into a church and say, uh, the Apostle Paul wants me to, or Paul wants me to say this to you, and this is what he's going. And he would often read out the letter to them. So chances are when Timothy arrived in Corinth, he actually read what we call 2 Corinthians out to them on that visit to them. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 2, we see, and I'll show you this in a minute, we see that 
Timothy was now being sent not just to be a messenger, but to be someone who could go in and sort things out. He'd grown. And this is how it reads. We sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in the faith. Now that exhorting is kind of what I'm doing now. So Timothy was being sent to come in and basically pastor this church in Thessalonians. If you know anything about the the church at Thessalonica, you know that Paul went in, evangelized that town, planted that church, appointed elders in 45 days and then left. Can you imagine that? In a month and a half, a church is planted with elders appointed. And do you think there'd be some problems and issues to work out? Absolutely there was. And Paul has to try and deal with that but it's it's just way too much so he sends Timothy in and Timothy is addressing some of the issues and then reports back to Paul and we read second Thessalonians some of the issues but they're very short books because Timothy's there he's able to deal with these things so Timothy has grown so this is the next step in Timothy's life he would have to learn that in the early days of him learning how to serve God that Paul would throw the ball to him so he could catch it. But eventually he was going to have to learn that not everyone's going to throw the ball to him. you still got to catch that ball, but not everyone's going to throw it to you. In fact, I was almost tempted to write, some people aren't going to throw it to you, they're going to throw it at you. And I was kind of going to say, and that's ministry, it's really hard. Then I thought, what am I talking about? That's life. That's just life. Some people won't throw the ball so you can catch it. They'll throw it at you so you won't catch it. They'll just give you a hard time. And next week we're going to see one of the particular contexts that Timothy had to serve in. That was really, really hard for him. Really hard for him. And we'll see how Paul responded to that. But just to give you a little bit of a snippet into what Timothy had to go through in this next level of his growth. We read this when Paul wrote to him in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verses 3 and 4. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. And by the way, this is interesting, just Christ Jesus. Why isn't it Jesus Christ? Why isn't it just Jesus? Just by the way, this is the last letter Paul wrote. He starts off in his writing referring to Jesus as Jesus. Then then we see this. We see he becomes Lord Jesus Lord Jesus Christ, and then it's, no, who he is first, which is the Christ, Jesus. Just as Paul gets older, too, there's a progression happening here. That's just by the way. So, in Christ, a good soldier of Christ Jesus, no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. In other words, it almost sounds like, and I don't, I want to I wanna be very, very careful saying this. But it sounds like Paul is writing to Timothy and saying, harden up, don't don't buckle. Yes, there are going to be people who give you a hard time, but you're doing the right thing. You're serving the Lord. Your pursuit is to please the Lord. Timothy, I need you to be strong right now. Don't be weak. Don't wimp out on me. Be strong. Now there's a way to say that that sounds uncaring and I don't think Paul's saying that in uncaring fashion. I don't want us to be 
hard and harsh with people either. I want us to be, like Paul is right now, being caring. So Paul reminded Timothy in the midst of these times when he says, Timothy, come on, you've got to endure hardship like a soldier. A soldier's going to have to put up with a lot in the war effort. You will as well. For me, it's like Paul is reminding Timothy, this isn't just because we've got a job. I mean, they don't have a job. They don't have to do this. But they've surrendered to Christ. They want to serve Christ. And this is what Paul reminds him. We're doing this for Christ. We're doing this for the Lord. What you're doing is a value for the Lord. So, what challenge would you face, if you think about this, if Paul the Apostle was your mentor? What challenges would you face? I haven't met too many women who've said, oh, it'd be wonderful if the Apostle Paul was my pastor. <laughs> In fact, I've never met one who said that. He comes across as a bit of a man's man, a bit blokey and a bit like women's ministry, humbug. <laughs> oh, that was meant to be funny. Can you imagine Timothy growing up with such a forceful personality, growing in his identity? And I reckon this would have been a big challenge for Timothy. I went to a church once where I saw someone that I knew, known him for quite a while, and I hadn't seen them for a little while, and they were pastoring, and and I went there, and they were preaching an Aussie, as Aussie as you and I are, except for Norm, an an Aussie. And I went there, and, and he was preaching with an American accent thought that was weird I said to him afterwards have you recently been to America it's like he said no I've never been there in my life and he wasn't talking to me from behind the pulpit with an American accent why was he preaching with one and I was trying to figure this out and in conversation with him I said so you know who you've been listening to and he, he named these American preachers and then I realized he was trying to copy some of these American TV preachers. And I actually thought, this is really sad. Really sad. It just sounded weird. So here's the thing. Do you know who you are? If I said, David, just be yourself, are you going to go, who's that? (laughs) Do you know, can you be yourself? Because I reckon this would have been one of the biggest challenges that Timothy faced. I hope someone, and I've got good reason to think, as we'll see, that Barnabas came into Timothy's life a bit later, and I hope to prove that in the next couple of weeks. And I reckon Barnabas probably said to Timothy, Timothy, I know you've been hanging out with my old mate, Paul. I can see it in you. And Barnabas was the one who was the father to Paul a little bit earlier on in Acts. And they had a bit of a falling out. And I reckon Barnabas would have just got beside Timothy and said, Timothy, just remember this. Be yourself. Be who God's made you to be. And be the best you you can be. You don't have to be like Paul. And Timothy certainly wasn't like Paul, as we will, we will see as this unfolds. But I reckon this would have been a huge challenge. And this should be a great comfort to you. I want to see preachers raised up in this church. I want to see youth pastors raised up in this church and sent out to other churches. There are churches around Australia right now that cannot get a youth pastor. 
There are churches right now around Australia that have pastors who have gone two, three, four, five years past the day they thought they were going to retire and they've got a baton in their hand and they've got no one to pass the baton on to. I want to see young men, Timothy's raised up in this church and maybe Timothy Etz raised up in this church who can take that baton. I want to see that. But I want, whoever you are, I want you to be you. And for God to do what he wants to do in you. But here's the, here's the thing that Timothy would have had to experience. We will see that Timothy was an incredibly shy, unsure of himself young man. We know that because Paul writes to him and says, don't be timid. Now why do you say that to someone? Because they're probably timid. And this is that verse that we used to sing it um, last century. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. And Paul is actually writing that to Timothy. He's not giving you a spirit of fear or timidity. So Timothy, was, his personality was very shy. His personality was timid. And so I reckon, as God got a hold of Timothy, his personality had to change. He had to change his personality. And I think there are some here who've said, well, I am who I am and I can't change. And what you're really saying is this. Only two people in the universe are immutable, which means doesn't change. God and me. If you hear it like that, hopefully you hear it and think, no, that's not what I'm saying at all. And I hope you can look back over the experiences that God has taken you through and realise, I actually have changed. And there are some here who've said, well, it's just who I am. I can never change. I'm just not a people person. <laughs> well, you hang around Jesus, you're going to become one. You're going to become one. All right, what do we learn from this? We learn God uses different people. There's Paul and there's Timothy. They were quite different. We also see that Timothy was not the finished product. And we see that God calls people to do something for himself. And who they will be, they are not yet. They are unfinished products. They are unfinished products. And this is the, the thing that Paul wrote to the Philippians. And I think it's just beautiful. And it gives, it, it, every time I make a mistake, and I, I make so many, it upsets me. But this is, this is what I'm, I'm assured of. I'm sure of this. That he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And the day of Jesus Christ for each one of us is the day we die. And if we will surrender to Christ and if we will walk with Christ, God will continue to do what he wants to do in our lives, taking us out of our comfort zone, changing those aspects of our personality that need redemption. Maybe... Maybe you feel so gripped by shyness that you think God could never use me to do anything for him. But right now, God's not asking you to do that thing that you're afraid of. He's asking you, will you just surrender and trust me? Will you just surrender to me? Will you just let me have my way in your life? 
I am not now who I was 24 years ago when I first came to this church. And most of you who were around then and on that journey go, and thank God for that. But I'm not yet who I will be when my race is run either. God still has things to do in my life. And I want to finish with this thought. Would you stand? We're going to, we're going to worship God. We're going to sing this song as an act of worship. But, and this is my closing thought. You may be apprehensive. You may be afraid and apprehensive. And you may be apprehensive to offer yourself to God. But this is, this is what we see in Timothy's life. And I trust it's what we can see through history and it's what I know to be true. But if you will surrender yourself to God, let go of those apprehensions, God will bring the right people into your life to help you to become who he has called you to be and to help you to do what he has called you to do. That's all we have time for tonight for a CD copy or a premium download of tonight's discussion. Please go to our website, findingtruthmatters.org and select Timothy Part 2 from our online store. As we've heard tonight, young Timothy was stepping out of his comfort zone. But God routinely uses people who are not the finished product and he brings people into our lives that help shape us into the person he needs us to be. More from Dr. Corbett next week with Timothy, Part 3. Dr. Corbett is pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. We look forward to joining you again at the same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.